0: What a wonderful Lord's Day. I am so happy to be here. Sunday's my favorite day. Uh, I hope you feel the same. Wonderful singing, and it's just been a wonderful week, and I can't thank you enough. Uh, This congregation has supported my work for 25 years, and I am so grateful. You've been very generous to me and my family, and I can't thank you enough. It means so much to us to have fellowship with you, and we treasure that fellowship, and I'm so grateful to know you and be a part of this work this week. A special thank you to Van and Diana, it has just been a pleasure uh, to be in your home, and uh, really appreciate Tom and Claudia and Lee and Ellen, and their kids, uh, I've just had a ball, I don't know if everybody else has, but I've had a ball. Uh, a lot of people have been so nice to me this week, said... Very kind things about my preaching. People have been coming up and sticking money in my pocket, and I I appreciate that. I, I want to thank you. Uh, I think Panhandle Popcorn may start supporting my work, and I'm grateful. Tell I I appreciate it. I'm a big fan, and uh, but I really appreciate all the kindness that have been done. The meals been prepared. People have been fetching me ice and just dressing my wounds and and. it's been great. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Okay. A fellow once said, it's a little pebble on a big beach. I don't know if if you know who said that, but it was Merle Fielder, and I'm not totally sure what he meant. But if you knew Merle, that was the case on a lot of things. But I got to thinking about him saying that. It, It made me think about things that are bigger and that's really what I want to study with you today. Things that are bigger, and I've, the title is "It's Bigger Than That." We've had a lot of good conversations. I've had some really good conversations with many of you this week, and some of those conversations have revolved around how can I bring someone to the Lord, and what can I do? I have a friend, I have a coworker, I have a son, daughter, etc., that I'm trying to bring. I want them to come to church. I want them to know the Lord. And I think that the attitude is wonderful. It's what we need. It's what we need. And so this is really a sermon about that. And I want to go to Psalms 33, verse 3. I've really grown, and I think I've grown, I've grown a great appreciation for Psalms. It's a wonderful book, and in so many ways it helps us through our trials in life. But I want you to notice the words... In Psalms 43, 3, Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your tabernacle. Now, I want you to know today that I think you feel the way I feel. I want to go to heaven. It, it's, the, it's the pinnacle of, of life. That's the purpose. That's the goal. There's other little minor goals. I prayed to God that I would live to raise my kids, and that happened, and I'm very grateful. That was a goal. There's other little goals. I'd kind of like to retire or have some retirement. I don't want my wife to work at Walmart when she's an old lady. She would be great at it, but that's a goal, and it's something I'm striving for. But it's not the goal of my life. I want to go to heaven and I want you to go to heaven. And we all know people that we love dearly and we want them to go to heaven. I think one thing we've got to do is let our light shine and we've got to be a a difference maker in people's lives. Your life is bigger than just you. If I make it to heaven and no one else I love makes it, if you make it to heaven and people you love don't make it, what's going to lead them? What what leads the lost to come here? We've tried for 2 whole weeks to get people to come here. What makes people come here? I talked to you about a lot of churches that died. I'll tell you one of those churches, I won't name the church, but the leader of the church said, we have a sign, and if people want to come here, they can come. And if people want to know truth, they can read their Bible and know truth. Guess what happened? They died. We have a responsibility to go out into the highways and the hedges. We have a responsibility to reach the lost, whether we know them or don't. In the book of Mark, chapter 5, beginning in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And it seems like the world's getting darker and darker. It seems like people are turning more to evil or things that don't have anything to do with God. It seems like so many people nowadays don't want to come to church. And we had a person tell me and Tom just yesterday, religion has sort of a negative feel. The world's getting dark. And if we will live the Christian life, it, we will shine. You will shine. And we need to let our light shine. That's what's going to compel people to come here and be saved. That's what's going to make a difference in their lives. He goes on to say, Nor do they put a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand it gives light to all who are in the house. Listen what he says. Let your light so shine that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Brethren, what's going to bring people here, what's going to lead people here is your life. Your life, your deeds, your friendships and relationships. I don't know if you know it, but evangelism has changed. In the old days, I remember hearing all the stories about people from every church in town came to our meeting and there were 93 people baptized or 18 people and people from every church in town or all corner. People don't do that anymore. And it's relationship-based. People come because they know you. They will come here because they have built a relationship with you and you have visited with them and discussed. They will come here because of your life and your care for them. In the book of Luke chapter 6, and there verse 12, it came to pass in those days that he, this is Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. I think it's interesting that he prayed all night long. But What's he praying about? Why did he go out there alone and pray and pray and pray all night? Well, let's read. And when it was day, he called his disciples... To himself and from them he chose twelve he also named them apostles he put a lot of thought and a lot of prayer who are going to be the twelve and he, he picked them and wouldn't that have been wonderful it have been wonderful if he said I want you I want you to come and be with me. And and they were going to see some of the greatest things ever seen. They were going to hear the greatest teaching and and witness the miracles. And why did he choose them? Why those 12? Were they just going to be his pals? His entourage? I think it was bigger than that. He wasn't just giving them a front row seat to eternity, it wasn't like in Matthew 25, the king will say, come ye blessed. It wasn't that. It wasn't if you get a free ticket to heaven. It's all bigger than that. So I want you to notice what he says in Matthew 4, verse 19. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He chose those 12 because they had a task, they had a work, They had a job to do. I'm going to teach you how to fish for men. I'm going to teach you how to bring men into the kingdom and women in the kingdom. I want you to go out, and he was going to send them out so that they could make a difference in life. Why do you follow Jesus? Because you want to go to heaven. It doesn't end there. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than just you want to go to heaven because Jesus wants you to be a fisher of men, and he wants you to bring other people with you. How many people have you brought to Jesus? We need more. You need to bring more. If you want to follow Jesus, you have a role. You have a responsibility. If you're today, if you're here, and you're a Christian, you have a responsibility to be a fisher of men. You may say, well, brother, he only chose 12. I want to tell you, now it's all of us. In the beginning it's twelve, now it's an army. Now we're soldiers of Christ. And there's a war that's going on for the souls of men and women. And people are dying right here in this community without Jesus. People you know and I know. Turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4. He says, Let each of you... Look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Look out for the interest of others. We have to care about others. I've got things I need, and I I work on that. I try to help my family with what they need, but there's other people who have needs. There's other people who have tremendous needs. And if we say I want to go to heaven, then we do things to try to help ourselves go to heaven. But if we want other people to go to heaven, then we need to put effort to that. Because sometimes I don't have everything that a person needs. I just can't supply everything. Sometimes we need what Gay Henderson can supply. Her talents and her abilities, her angle, her perspective is important. And the people that I may bring, I need her. Sometimes I need Debbie Lane's perspective in those things, you see. Sometimes I need Cain Marshall's perspective to say, I've been there, let me help you, brother, and we influence together. It's bigger than just me. And the truth is, we need to be looking out for one another, because you know what? I want Coulter Teal to go to heaven. I want you to go to heaven. And you know what? If everyone in this church, what is there, 400? If we all say I'm, we're going to help Coulter Teal go to heaven, brother, you got a great shot. A great shot. And if we decide, Jacob Richburg, I want you to go to heaven. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to pray for you and lift you up. Brother, you, you're going to make it. But we got to work at this together. It's bigger than just our lives. And I'll tell you, I know what happens because I live life just like you live life. There's work and clean the house, school clothes. I need new tires. And, you know, there's life. And it just gets, fills up. and. Day by day, we'll just life, 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 and you got to do this and you got to do that. And you know what we do? We run faster and we work harder and we try to be efficient and streamline. And all those hobbies I used to have, they're all in the box in the closet, and that's okay. But at some point, I got to help somebody, it's important. It's bigger than a lot of these things. And we've got to pay our taxes and it just takes time to go out and do the taxes. But you've got to be thoughtful about what people around you need and what people need is Jesus. People need Jesus. I want to tell you, people are destroyed every day by Satan. So we've got to be thinking. You need to be thinking as you live your life and people you come in contact with, how can I help this guy? How can I help her? How can I start a conversation about Jesus? How can I sow a seed in this person's heart? And when I've done what I can, then I need to call Gerald Bedwin and say, help me with this person. Help me with this person. And together we'll make a difference. What was the role of Jesus? You know, he didn't get the best job. God said, I need you to leave heaven and go down there and be a man and die. That's not too cool. It'd been real easy for many to say, no, I'm pretty good right here. And what you may get as a role, as a part of production of the whole, may not be the coolest spot. I'll tell you, we need it all. Let's continue on in Philippians 2. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, considered not robbery to be equal to God. And he goes on to say he took on himself the form of the servant. Jesus left heaven and came down here to what? Serve you. To help you, to go to heaven. And that's what he did. And we need to have that mindset. I want to help you. What can I do to help you? And we need to do that with everyone that we can. So, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Have you heard of Lee Dare Ministries? Have you heard of LeeAdair.com? Tom Hicklin Ministries. Have you seen the Tom Hicklin bus rolling through your town? And the Tom Hickston Monster Truck for Jesus show? Probably haven't. We, we don't preach ourselves. No, none of the evangelist elders don't do that. It's not about us, it's about serving Jesus. I want to serve. And we need to have this idea. What can I do to help you? We're not preaching me. I'm preaching Jesus. Folks are dying. Folks' lives are being destroyed. And we're, we're right there and can help. What does it mean? It means we promote Jesus. We are servants for Jesus' sakes. Let's keep on reading. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. What is it? The gospel. What's a vessel? It's a cup, a jar, a bowl. The treasure of the gospel is in earthen vessels. That's what you and I are, made of dust. And we carry the message of Jesus. So what's your role? Because the truth is, you have a part. And the Lord says, be fishers of men. And so we're going to go back a little bit till we had a few weeks ago a few days ago i have planted planted, apollos watered god gave the increase and i'm going to tell you something when you will put the effort in with people when you will dedicate yourself and deny yourself and spend the time with people and you will talk with people and you will share with them the words of life god will give the increase He has never lied to us. He has never failed. And He will bless your effort. Because you know what? He wants people to be saved. He says in Ephesians 4 verse 16, From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effectual working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. And so as we grow, we get stronger and we do more And as we do more, we grow and we get stronger. And a rising tide lifts all boats. And this congregation has grown and grown and grown. And I believe the vision of the leadership of this congregation is to continue to grow and to develop. And someday we'll talk about this little building. This little building. Because we're going to grow. But to grow, we've got to put the effort in. And I want to encourage you because it's bigger than your life. These things are bigger. You should greet everyone in a friendly way. Somebody says, well, it's just common courtesy. I'll tell you, it's bigger than that. You should be friendly to the visitors. You should be friendly to people in town. But when people come here, we should be friendly. Have you ever gone to a church where no one said hello to you? I went to one. And I walked in there, and I'm kind of standing around. My hands, my hands are ready, you know. They just walk by, and I, hmm, and, you know, maybe he was blind. I, he, he, more come by, and I'm thinking, what? me I go, what did I do? I did, I, I, what's wrong with me? Nobody wanted to talk to me. You know, I don't want to go back there. I don't intend to. But whether or not you are in a good mood, when we come here, there's a role to play. We come here to worship, that's very true, but we can make a difference in people's lives, even during the service, even at the beginning. The first impression visitors get of our church, typically, is when they walk in the door. There's been a whole lot of studies on this, and it's like from five to seven minutes of when people come into church, they decide if they're coming back. What happens in five to seven minutes? You're going to meet a few people. You might hear a song. And then people, most people have made up their minds. Your friendliness may help someone to go to heaven. You should worship God at every opportunity. You know, I have a lot of people say, we we just worship Sunday morning if we can make it. I don't know if you know it, but it's, it's bigger than if you can make it. Do you have a problem that you struggle with your whole life? I do. I, I, it's silly to say one. I've got several. But have you got a problem that you have struggled with? And you go to Jesus and pray and say, Father, forgive me and help me. And you do it again and again. And you keep doing it. And you struggle and struggle. People think it's not a big deal to not come, but I'm going to tell you it is a big deal because one sermon can make a difference. What if, when you were young or when you were at a point in your life where you were really had your ears open or humble, what if at that point, you had heard a sermon that would make it where you didn't have that problem? That's pretty valuable. And and this problem that I have, what if I hand that down to my children? And what if being in church would have made that difference? Because I tell you what, we hear the truth. We hear it preached. And it touches me. And it makes me want to be better. It makes me want to change. It's bigger than we don't have time. It's bigger than I'm tired. These things are eternal. These things are important and they can change your life and give you a much better life. Not only that, they can change your eternity. We need to be here, folks. One church service could be the difference in eternity. You should sing with all your heart. Somebody says, I don't sing very good. I'll tell you, that's code. I know that code. I've learned it. That means I don't sing. Somebody says, we got a lot of other good singers. They sing. You don't want me singing. I've heard it all. I'll tell you, it's bigger than if you sing. We're never told in Scripture to sing good. We're told to sing. We're told to sing with love in our hearts. We're told to sing praises to God. And I'll tell you, for me, it's very touching because there's not a church service that goes by that I don't just have goosebumps all over and I, I come to tears because it, it's touching. And maybe everybody's not that way. I'm a bit weepy, you may know. Why does it matter if we sing? What does it say to our visitors when we worship and sing with all our heart? I tell you, it says something. Years ago, we had a couple of gentlemen visited our congregation. One of them's name was Benny Westmoreland. And the other gentleman, his name was Bert. And we were having a gospel meeting. They come to the old building in Allison, and I told them hello. We're thrilled they were there. They came back the next night, and I greeted them as we all did, you know. And after services, the second night, I went up to Benny, and I shook his hand. I said, Brother, I'm so glad you're here. I want to thank you. And he said, Don't you say that. And I said, Well, I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't know what I've done wrong. He said, I'm the one ought to be thanking y'all. He said, I have worshipped here the last two nights. And he said, I'm going to tell you, I've been going to church, and I haven't worshipped in ten years. It makes a difference. We all go to places from time to time and people don't sing out. They don't sing with joy. They don't sing with love. It's not about hitting the notes, brethren. It's about showing people that God's in us. Because that's what he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 25. Thus, the secrets of his heart are revealed and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly in you. I want to tell you, folks can tell when God's in your heart. People can tell when we sing with all our heart. People can tell when we pray to God with all our heart. It's bigger than whether or not you can hit a note. You should invite visitors to Sunday lunch. Why? Because Paul Kevin is hungry. True. To give my wife an opportunity to try new recipes. Very true. To have a time of fellowship. But true. You know, it's it's bigger than all that. When we share a meal with someone, we get to know them. We learn them. We build a relationship. We build trust. we build confidence with one another and ultimately we'll have an opportunity to share God's word with those people what does it say when a visitor comes in and five different families invite them to lunch what does that say that says we care about you we want to know you We want to spend time with you, and we want you to be in our home. We want to have a relationship with you. Isn't it true? Why should we go visit the sick? Somebody says, well, God commands us to, and we want to keep his commands. And visiting the sick's got tough. COVID and, you know, maybe it's getting better. We want to visit the sick. They might get lonely or hungry or they might get, need help of some kind. That's all true, but it's bigger than that. You know, member remember our church got ill. He ended up having some terrible health problems. Uh, he had heart issues. He, he got so close to dying that his toes all turned black and they had to amputate his toes. And for, for Wheeler, Texas, there was 40 people up there in the waiting room. BSA and I'll never forget this nurse she comes walking in she said my goodness she said what do y'all got a celebrity in here yeah we got somebody we love and we care about and I I'm I don't want to go get sick my wife had the stomach bug and I'm kind of glad I was here (laughs) I hate she is sick, I'd have helped her if I was around, but doggone it, that's gone. We we don't want to be sick, and we ought to use wisdom about that if your health is compromised. But you know what, when we really care about people, we go. When we really care, we go to them and we help them, and we plant and water, and it's letting our light shine. It's Christianity. It's just a Christian walk. And we've got to do that because life is bigger than my time, and life is bigger than your time, and the souls of men and women is more important than your time. If I'd have done what I really would wanted to do yesterday, I'd have watched North Carolina and Duke and I'd have cheered North Carolina on. I like that stuff. And I don't think it's wrong. But my life is bigger than basketball and football and hunting and fishing and quilting or chess or anything. Life is bigger than that. You should ask someone you know to study. Somebody says, well, I don't know how to do a study. Well, that's okay. It's all bigger than just one person. Because what I can't do, Jay Henderson can do. What we can't do, Van Miller can do. What I can't supply, someone else can supply. It's not about whether or not you can do a study. Ask someone to do a Bible study. They might shoot you. I've never heard of it. They might. They might say no. They might say you're a Bible thumper. They might. All those things could happen. They get may may get mad and get angry. I studied Bible with a guy. He pointed me on study three. He said, "Get out of my house." You know what I did? I said, I'll see you later. <laughs> I'm going home. You're angry? I don't want to be here no more. That don't mean I don't love Him. It don't mean I quit doing studies. Because it's bigger than one thing like that. People say all the time, I don't have time. It's bigger than that. Teaching someone about Jesus is bigger than all your abilities and fears. Don't you want them to go to heaven? Then somebody's got to teach them. Somebody's got to tell them. Some way the Word's got to get in their heart. What will make people believe Christ is in you? I'm going to tell you. You will tell everyone you know. The truth is it's bigger than that. You will show everyone you know that Christ is in you. You will live it in every relationship that you have. How can I help you? What can I do to make a difference and help you to go to heaven? Is your life leading people to heaven? Or is your life not making a difference? Because people can tell when Christ is first in your life. I want to wrap this up this morning with a passage from Matthew 25, beginning in verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. It's bigger than those little things. Together it makes a difference, and it's something that God recognizes. What will lead people here? What leads people here? It's the love of people who care. So maybe you're here today because someone invited you. Maybe you've come this place because there's been a bunch of invitations or a flyer was on your door. And maybe you're visiting for the third or fifth time. Maybe you're here today and not a Christian. And I'll tell you, that's what we want. We don't want you to be a Christian so that we can put a notch on our Bible. We want you to be a Christian because we want you to go to heaven. We want you to be a Christian because we want your sins to be forgiven. We want you to be baptized into Christ so that God will bless you and you can live a better life. And by living that better life, the new life, that you can be a difference maker in someone's life. We haven't brought you here just so we can say we had 37 visitors. We want you to be saved. We want to help you. I want you to go to heaven. And if you're here today and you're not saved, If you're here today and you're on the bubble and you're trying to decide, make a decision for Jesus. Come today and be saved as we sing.